How many of you have dreamt of starting your own product-based business, but you had no idea where to start? Maybe you're a beauty creator and have so many great ideas for creating your own makeup line. Or maybe you've always wanted to create your own candle company to share in your home decor videos. I know so many fashion creators who would love to design their own pieces. Needless to say, as creators, we've all got ideas, but we're likely A, confused about how it would even be possible to create a physical product, and B, intimidated by the process and the financial commitment. I've been in your shoes. In 2019, I created a physical product, a social media planner, without help. I struggled to find a trustworthy manufacturer. I had a huge minimum order quantity and currently have about 10 plus boxes full of planners in my garage, which my husband would love for me to get rid of since they take up so much space. Realistically though, there are a lot of challenges that come with creating a physical product, but it surprisingly doesn't have to be scary, especially after you hear about today's guest and the incredible company that he's created. I'm Kristen Busquette and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and I've brought in over three $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Ro Trived, the CEO and co-founder of Pietra, a platform that helps creative entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. They created Pietra long before the creator economy was a phrase. They now have over 100,000 entrepreneurs who have signed up to start their own company, many of which are creators. The most interesting part is that the platform has proven valuable to creators of all sizes, from mega celebs to the long-tail creator who creates content online as a hobby. Today, we're diving into creating your own physical product as a creator. This, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 66 of Social Scoop. I am Kristen, and I'm so excited that you're here. This week's episode is a little different for me because I'm actually recording this intro right now from my friend Sonia's house in Miami. Andrew and I took a trip here for a convention that he was setting up for for his business. So we've been in Miami for the last few days having a blast. Um, But it is just weird not to be in my normal environment recording this episode. (laughs) But we have two really like decent pieces of news today that I wanted to talk with you guys about. First things first, have you guys heard about TikTok heating? Okay, so this news was shared by six current and former employees of TikTok and its parent company, which is called ByteDance. So in addition to the TikTok algorithm deciding what is going to go viral, Forbes actually reviewed these internal documents that show staff at TikTok and ByteDance also, and this is a quote, secretly handpick specific videos and supercharge their distribution using a practice in internally known as heating. So heating is where videos are boosted to achieve a certain number of video views. So for example, if someone internally wanted your video to reach a million views, they would heat the video so that it hits that amount of views. So videos that are on your FYP may not actually be there because TikTok thinks that you'll like them, but more so maybe a particular brand or a particular creator can get more views. And because there's no way that they're labeling this, it's just like an internal thing. It's impossible for us to tell which is which. Like we don't know which videos are heated and which ones are there through the actual algorithm. So I don't know how I feel about this. Like this feels a little like icky or like a little biased to me. There was some information in this article and I linked it in the show notes if you wanted to check it out. There was some information here that said that there were people behind the scenes in the company that were actually like abusing this. They were heating their spouse's videos or heating their friend's videos. And a lot of 
talk about heating videos of specific graders so that they would migrate to TikTok as a main platform versus maybe Instagram or YouTube. So I'm not sure how I feel about this. Also, if anyone from TikTok is listening, feel free to heat my videos. <laughs> like I would love to see what that's like. But it's very interesting because it kind of makes you think like which creators are, you know, have a lot of views because they organically got them or which ones were quote heated. And then I also think about this from a brand's perspective. Am I hiring a creator who has videos that are being heated or do people actually like want to see this? Is this organically coming up on people's FYP? Not sure how I feel about it, but it's definitely an interesting concept. I'm sure TikTok never wanted this to get out. <laughs> doesn't feel like news that they would be excited for the whole world to know about, but I'm interested to see how they respond to this. Also big news from Instagram, as if we haven't been just going back and forth and back and forth, like part of basically this big experiment that it feels like Instagram has been doing with the entire platform in the last few years. Um, Instagram's, the head of Instagram, Adam Masseri, he actually announced in a Q&A series on his stories that the platform basically like went too hard on pushing videos. So this is a quote directly from him. He said, I think we were over-focused on video in 2022 and pushed ranking too far and basically showed too many videos and not enough photos. We've since balanced. So things like how often someone likes photos versus videos and how often someone comments on photos versus videos are roughly equal, which is a good sign that things are balanced. I would love to hear from you guys what you think about this. If you're someone who posts videos and photos, do you feel like you have more of a balance on them? Like, do you feel like your photos are getting maybe as much reach or as much interaction as your videos are? I know for me personally, like I definitely am someone who shares more videos at this point because I really felt like I had to, but there are definitely times where I will share a photo and I, I feel like it's hit or miss. I don't feel like all of my photos really do as well as my videos, but then I definitely have videos that do really horribly as well. So maybe it is balanced but I would love to hear from you guys what you think about this. Also, someone in after last week's episode had said to me that they wanted to hear more about what I would like Instagram to do after I kind of trash them and every piece of news that we talk about. Um, I actually feel like this is a step in the right direction. Like I feel like them spending more time balancing things and like not trying to just copy TikTok and be a video platform really is what they should be working on. You know, like Instagram does one thing really well or did one thing really well and that's focused photos, does it better than any other app that we use. And so it just feels like a really obvious choice, in my opinion, for them to hone in on on photo because that's what Instagram has always been known for. <laughs> Excuse Ronix in the background if you guys can hear him. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Well, that is all of the news that we have for you guys this week. I think this was two really big pieces of news that I actually would really love to hear your opinion on. So feel free to send me a DM, send me a message on Instagram or on TikTok, and we can talk about this because I think they are pretty controversial topics that could kind of rock things up a little bit. So looking forward to hearing from you guys and let's dive into the rest of this episode. As a creator, you guys know that having multiple streams of revenue is obviously a great option because we cannot be depending solely on sponsored posts to pay our bills and run this thing full time. So today we're going to be talking about physical products and actually how easy it can be contrary to what some of you may believe. So today we're here with Ro from Pietra and I'm so excited to have you here. Ro, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Excited to of chat. Of course. Yeah. So I mean, for anyone who doesn't know who you are or about your business, let's just hear a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So um, my name's Ro. Uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Pietra. And what Pietra does is it builds the tools that allows creators to launch their own product lines. Um, we help with sourcing the products. Uh, we help with storing the products and shipping the products to the customers that buy it. And then uh, we also help with e-commerce and, and giving you an easy way to sell it across not just your website, but across your socials, et cetera. Out of curiosity, what gave you the inspiration to start this? Like, why did you actually start Pietra? Yeah, good, good question. I think uh, you know my background before this company, I worked at Uber, and my background is in is in tech, and so I moved to San Francisco, and and I was so floored by how much the tech community supports tech entrepreneurs, yeah. right? Where if I wanted to compete with Uber um, when I was at Uber, within a couple of weeks, I could have had you know, money, an office, a team, and I'm off to the races to go compete and build the next Uber. Um, But then I'm from Toronto and I go back home and I see my friends who are creatives and creators and they're like, you know, I've been trying to launch my own denim line. I'm trying to launch my sneaker brand. I'm trying to launch my own own watch company. And it's taken two years and it's very, very difficult. And like, it seems like no one's helping me. I have to learn all this myself. I just know how to make really good content. People love the stuff that I make um, online, but it doesn't really translate. I said, okay, we need to take a step back. These creative people, these creators that have these authentic audiences and these topics, they should be the one making the products and these brands, not these big conglomerates, right? right? It's like the food blogger that teaches me how to cook over the last two years should be launching my favorite snack food brand, not someone in a lab in, you know, a big city. (laughs) Um, And that was like the, the impetus, which is like, how do we help these people? And it started with just sourcing and and custom product creation. And it slowly turned into, you know, this platform that allows you to run your entire business. Um, And selfishly, it's because I find myself shopping more and more from creators and, and, and getting, you know, energy from their creativity uh, more than, you know, shopping from a brand that, you know, is a big, yeah. big box brand, I guess. Right. I love that. That definitely is a really good story. And it's so true because I think creators have to learn how to be business owners, but owning a business where there's physical products involved is like a completely different story. I know in my own personal experience, I actually made like a planner. I had a planner made and I trying to go on like Alibaba and find the manufacturers (laughs) and like get it. Oh my gosh. It was, it was so stressful and it did take a really long time. And it's hard to, you know, find people that are trustworthy and there's just so many roadblocks. And so I think what you guys are doing is so smart. It really like makes the barrier of entry, you know, a lot easier for a lot of creators, which I think helps people create great products that they wouldn't otherwise be able to create. Totally. And I think, you know, the, the, what people don't really understand is that being a creator is a full-time job. (laughs) And so uh, I like to say, you know, if you saw one of, uh, one of the slide decks that I would make, which is like, it's very easy to visualize what you want, right? I want this beautiful clothing brand that is elevated from just like t-shirts and merch. Yeah. And and then I have like the beautiful website and the Instagram where I'm promoting it and I'm doing a, you know, a try-on video or whatever it may be. And that ends up being the middle part to go from like idea to the thing is right. uh is something that is very messy and someone had to step in and do the messy work to clean it up so that everyone can use it. Otherwise we found that almost every single person had the dream, 
but and then they would recreate the same pain for themselves. Like everyone <laughs> would have the same problem with right. sourcing beautiful fabrics. Everyone would have the same problems with setting up their warehousing. And it was like, yeah. yes, it's it's kind of like a, a messy problem. But we stepped in and said, you know what, we'll do the messy work once. And then, you know, now we have so many of these entrepreneurs. I like to call them entrepreneurs because I remind people they're creators, but they're entrepreneurs. Right. Um, uh, now they can leverage, you know, all the hard work uh, that our team put into it and, and honestly yeah. build bigger things than we could even imagine. I love that. So a lot of creators who are probably listening right now might you know, have a smaller following, or they might be saying to themselves, okay, like I have ideas. This all sounds great that it makes it easy, but like, am I really ready for this? Cause there's a lot that's involved in creating a physical product. So at what point should a creator start thinking about creating a physical product? Is there a point that you're like, okay, this is a good idea. And you're not like being a little crazy here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's, here's where it gets really interesting, which is, I think that, um, when we look at the data, just to put on my engineering hat, um, you you could be a lot smaller than people think to build a meaningful business. Yeah. The meaningful business, you, we have to remember that the internet is so big where if you owned a boutique in New York City and you had 7,000 people walk into your shop, you know, as an example, it's you'd be like, deal. this is one of the most, this is one of the most <laughs> popular boutiques in all of New York City. <laughs> And we see people with, you know, a couple thousand followers, 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers. And they're like, my audience is too small. I'm like, yeah. you can build a great business as long as, and then I'll get to, to kind of the punchline, as long as you're building something that's authentic to your audience. And so what I say, tell, tell people is the difference between, you know, creating content and creating physical product is you will have to put in some time. Um, yeah. They're, they're, so you can't be someone who, unless you're doing made to order and merch, which can be done you know, with $0 and almost no effort, um, you will want to be someone who's intrinsically motivated and believe that you are providing value to your audience. Yeah. It could be very small value, but you have to believe that because ultimately it's going to take a couple hours of work a week to do. And the, the other thing that we, that we focus on at Pietra is... Um, it will cost a little bit of money to order your inventory and, you know, resell that to your audience. And people always ask, why don't you just buy the inventory for, for creators? Why don't you just, you know, get into the creative and get your yeah. hands dirty and help these people? What we found was fundamentally, if we partnered with creators who didn't want to do any work and was looking at another company to do all the creative work for them, two things happen. One is the creative direction goes in a way that they don't want eventually because yeah. you let the dollars and cents and data kind of like remove any of the creative branding. And the second thing is creators end up not owning their businesses after putting years of work into it. Right. Right. And so you start off, it seems pretty cool. Someone's helping you set up a few things. They maybe cover the cost of like a couple thousand dollars worth of inventory. Um, but then before you know it, they're scaling up the company and you don't even have majority control. This way yeah. we say, you know, you are ready when you are intrinsically motivated. You can start very, very small. We're talking um, under $1,000. You can launch an entire company, right? And that's because yeah. companies nowadays can be, you don't need a lot of inventory on, on hand. You could sell on your social and on a website. And all those things are, are, are fairly low cost. Um, and so what we say is you are ready when you have an authentic product idea and you have a, an audience that you haven't purchased 
that listens to you, <laughs> that engages with you, yeah, and you feel like it's a little bit of a community, that is the time for you to start thinking about as soon as a brand deal comes your way, you should be asking yourself the question, the brand deal is coming my way because my audience has value. So now yeah. how can I monetize that audience such that I get the highest return, right? What people forget is like the brand deals are basically a company saying, I can pay you this small upfront amount to rent out your audience because yeah. I as a company will obviously get more value than what I'm paying you. And so yeah. you should put that, you should look at it and say, whoa, if your audience is so valuable and it's captive and all the things that the brands like about you and you have the uh, desire to say, you know, I can monetize this and, and start a small business, then you should. Um, and again, I would say, I won't name any names, but I would say month after month, the smaller creators with authentic, engaged, small audiences outperform the celebrity brands, which is like crazy to think about. Very interesting. Yeah. It's... Uh, and it makes sense. There's the, usually the smaller creators, we call them the long tail creators. Um, they, their content is, is, is connecting on a specific topic with a specific yeah. audience. Right. And right. so uh, the bigger celebrity brands is kind of like a, everyone just follows these big accounts. So maybe yeah, exactly. I'll launch, you know, product X and maybe it will hit, maybe it won't. Um, we see the most success in the small creators being like, this is my little niche. I know what's good and bad. I've been reviewing stuff on YouTube, et cetera. Let me go and take my uh, take a stab at starting a product line. And the last thing I'll say to that is the old world is is thinking to yourself, you have to start this crazy big company. Yeah. Now what we're finding is creators can be like, I'm going to start with one product, like one cool product that I'm not pressured into launching. It might take you know three months to design. It's like one beautiful pan or one... Yeah variety of coffee um, that's ground and then slowly build it up as their audience supports them. And I think that previously wasn't something people thought about. They're like, we need to do a big reveal of like <laughs> a full coffee company that competes with yeah. Nespresso. And now I'm looking at it being like, no, 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 like this is someone who does like cool videos on TikTok about morning routines. And you can start your business with just, you know, a couple hundred bags of your custom blended coffee. Right. Kind of cool. Right. Um, and very, and small scale, and then it grows with, with the business. So I know that's a long winded way of saying, you know, start small. <laughs> you're, when you're ready yeah. intrinsically, it's probably time. And don't be worried about growing your audience to be big. A couple thousand followers that are engaged with you could be enough to bootstrap a brand. I love that. So, two things that you said that I, I kind of want to piggyback off of. First of all, the idea of starting with one product, doing a really, really great job with it, having people fall in love with it, and then eventually expanding from there. I read in some book somewhere, I can't remember which one it was, but um, how McDonald's started with like just the hamburger. And now look <laughs> at McDonald's. It's like most people go to McDonald's and don't get a hamburger because just right. the other things. But it's kind of the same thing. They did that really well. They built their audience based off of that. And then you know, further down the road, they were like, cool, we could expand because clearly people are already, you know, they value us and they understand that, you know, we're, we can deliver a product. Um, so that's kind of a cool way learn. of looking at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you I think the big thing that we found is um, creators are so good at listening to their audience and making their content yeah. reflect what their audience wants. If you think about and that's why they're going to be the best brand owners long term, which is because like, right. if you were someone who works at a big box, you know, like Procter and Gamble, 
you're like doing research studies and like focus groups yeah. and like to find the thing that people want where you talk to a creator and they're like, we, the, we changed the thumbnail to this and the, they reacted in this way. We did yeah. this video on this topic and we're going to do this for the next three weeks because people love it. It's like the feedback loop is so quick right? and they're so good at understanding what their audience wants that it might to a another person feel like you're doing something super weird. Like you launch a clothing line, but now you want to do journals. And it's like, yeah. well, it turns out like the content is evolving, the audience is evolving and they like two things. So you might never think about, um, you know, two of these products launching. Like we had someone who launched a, a fashion line and then her one of her product releases was a card game, right? Oh, For wow. NYU students, it was like a Cards Against Humanity um, for young women, uh, called boob blurb for you to play oh with your girlfriends as a pre-drink. And yeah. you'd never realize that like someone who designed a really, really high end fashion brand, uh, also has something <laughs> in the game space with like, right. uh, you know, college women. Um, but that's the type of thing that like, I think creators are reinventing and they have that skill set of iterating with their audience. Yeah. And you would never be able to build a brand like that if you didn't have that type of skill set and you weren't that type right. of um, entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the creators who are creating these products, they know what their audience wants, mostly because their audience is them. So it's very yeah. easy for them to say, like, I understand what you want because I know I am you. Like, I know exactly what your needs are. I feel the same way about, you know, when we are creating you know, a course or something like that. I'm like, I was this person just a couple of years ago, so I can understand exactly the things that they're struggling with. And you're right. That's something that a lot of big brands don't understand because they're so disconnected from it. Um, another thing that you said, though, that I think is really interesting. I like that you guys, instead of taking over and doing basically all of the legwork for creators when they are building these physical products, you're really like almost teaching them how to kind of take the reins and do it themselves. And I think that's so valuable. I think about lessons that I learned in the past 10 years of, of being a creator, being an entrepreneur. If I didn't do so many of the things that I did and make all the mistakes that I did, there's no way I would have the knowledge that I do now. And I think going through all of those struggles is really such an important part of the process. Again, I think about myself and what I do as a, as a coach. I like to teach people how to read the contracts and how to negotiate the deals instead of just telling them to go get a manager, you know, mm -hmm. same situation because you're always going to have to pay someone to do that. And you're losing parts of your business. Whereas wouldn't you rather just learn the, the ropes to do it yourself? And then you have all of this knowledge, but now you also are so much more connected to your business. And again, you might have more ownership too at that point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly that, which is, you know, we see a lot of this in the creator economy, uh, creator economy broadly, which is, um, I find myself saying, don't be fearful of going into this, you know, entrepreneurship adventure. And there will be ups and downs, um, like all yeah. things, but <laughs> you will come out the other side and most likely realize that almost all of the people surrounding this economy are here to extract value out of what you do best, right? If, yeah. if there's someone who, like, even you think of a manager, right? It's like, um, I mean, we partner with a bunch of agencies, so not to knock on managers, not to do any hot takes here and get canceled. But <laughs> what I would say is ultimately no one but the creator can do what they do. 
Yeah. And so if you have someone that's surrounding you, they're probably taking a percentage of something you're making, right? And you have to think about it as as you develop the experience and the skill set, more of that thing that people are extracting from you, you can keep for yourself. Yeah. Right. And 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 again, what's what's very interesting is this has happened in many industries before, right? Before there were record labels that had access to studio time and you couldn't make a hit song unless you got into one of their studios. And by the way, they'd say, when you're done, we're also going to, you have to pay us back for that studio time. And we're also going to like take a percentage of your CDs. And, you know, you realize like, okay, you're taking a percent because um, I have to use your studios. Along comes GarageBand, along comes iTunes and people start realizing like, hey, I don't have to actually spend, I have all these tools. If I just learn the tools, it's painful to learn the tools. But if I learn the tools, I don't need to necessarily go and spend $10,000 in a a recording studio. And I don't need to give you 50% of sales to press CDs. I can distribute it on Spotify and iTunes myself. And so other industries have already come and come to terms with this and it's happened yeah. through technology i think creators is now going to be the next big one where i i predict that in three to five years um like most of the brands that we shop at when you go to stores and you see things on shelves are going to be owned by creators and it's because they have the they have the customers right like the audience is the customers and, and i think um yeah it's I tell creators all the time, don't be fearful, start small, learn. But on the other side of your learning, you're going to realize that it's both financially the smartest decision, if you can deal with the pain a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, but then also you will then be able to do a lot more, right? If you outsource it to a manager to handle all your business for you, you never want to learn the tools. It's as good yeah. as a brand deal, Yeah. right? Ultimately. Very um, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the idea of creators learning how to be business owners and and having all of the education that goes along with it. Um, It's, you know, like you can't learn a lot of this in school. A lot of it is like you learn by doing. But one of the things that I hear from creators all the time, whether it's, again, starting a product, you know, starting their own business of sorts, whatever it is, is that they are so fearful. But I feel like in order to have any sort of real progress it has to feel a little uncomfortable i feel like when it when it does feel uncomfortable you're probably on to something right, and right it, you right. know and if it doesn't you're like okay well maybe this isn't you know something that's going to really propel me to the next level like it has to feel a little uncomfortable but that's like part of the process that's kind of like part of the fun part in my opinion it's like oh man like i'm going to start this is it going to work or am i going to crash and burn i don't know we'll have to find out <laughs> to- totally i think w- w- what's it you get is uh it's the, the, the process is, is, is the fun part. And I think what we are moving to a world, like we're moving to a world where also the audience wants to see the behind the scenes. Yeah. Like this also helps build authenticity. You're not like slapping a label on some other thing that someone else made, you know, customers want to feel connected yeah. to the person who's creating it. And look, I'm a, I'm someone who loves sneakers and I would say like in my entire life, I've never stood outside in the rain for a sneaker drop. And then you have, you know, and then you have someone who like, like Jerry Lorenzo drops his fear of God sneakers. And I'm like, well, I'm standing in the rain to get, and like, it's because it's him. It's like, I have some connection. I've yeah. been following him. He's trying to build this company for many years. I'm like, this is kind of cool. Right. 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 Um, and so it ends up being this, 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 it starts uncomfortable, but then you realize like, again, it's, 
all of the power is in the creator's hand. Yeah. It's like, no matter what a record label does, they won't be able to write a hit song. You got to get the artist and they have the full control and everything else is willingness to learn new skills, willingness to go into the unknown. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's I, I, I laugh at that myself too, which is like, yeah, good luck getting Crest, having Crest have me wait outside for their new toothpaste. Like right. that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. you could bet you could bet that if someone I follow or have been following for many years launches some like yeah. innovative, you know, toothpaste or something, hey, there's a good chance I'm gonna visit that <laughs> store or like stand in line to see it. It's it's not and by the way, when you stand in line, you're visit you're seeing the community, they're also yep. friends. So there's a lot of awesomeness that comes with business building around audiences. Um and I'm just I'm just a sucker for it. Like I have fun Same. in those circles all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think another important thing to mention too is when you are going through this process of again, like getting a physical product out there or offering a course or whatever it is, one thing that I had to go through that as someone who's like very go, 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 it was difficult for me. It took longer than I thought for something to hit. And I think that's something that creators and business owners need to learn is that it does take a lot of patience as well. Like you can, you can use Pietra, create an incredible product that doesn't guarantee it's immediately going to sell though. Like sometimes it's a slow burn and it might take six months until you hit the point that you thought you were going to hit when you first launched. I went through that with most of my products. Honestly, I kind of set these high expectations and didn't get what I expected. And it was so hard at that point not to be like, all right, this didn't work. I quit. Like, I'll just figure something else out. And that's something I, I'm learning in my journey is I need to be a little bit more patient. Yeah, I think, like, that's like, so amazing. I think every entrepreneur, you, myself, like, in your head, everything is easier, cheaper, faster. Um, and that's just the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, it's yeah. that like optimism. And I think, um, what we find is it's not as you get more experienced in business and entrepreneurship in in even creating content um and you talk to even the successful people they will also say like it didn't happen overnight yeah like we forget that you know everyone's like you just start a podcast and you'll be like joe rogan it's like not how you forget that Joe Rogan started podcasting when like Justin TV was a thing. Like it's not <laughs> that he wouldn't put in the work, right? right. Um, when I was living in LA, it was the same thing with acting. It's like everyone believes that like it's actually pretty easy to get on a TV show, um, and you can just put in a little bit of work, and you know, it's, I'll go to five auditions and I'll probably get one of them, right? right? But the reality is the world is just a little bit more difficult and it's probably more like a hundred auditions in your book one and a hundred auditions is like, you know, three auditions a day or like whatever, uh, one yeah. every three days or something like that. Um, and so I think it's also good to realize that don't set your expectations that like something changes overnight. Even right. the successful people don't have that. It's, yeah. it's just, it literally is like a Hollywood dream that's been sold to you uh, in <laughs> a movie. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and you talk to a successful person. Like I was, I, I'm good friends with the um, CEO, the ex-CEO of Uber, right? Um, when I was there. And he would say like, it's very easy to glom on to the end state, but the early days were still hard. You're trying to get people to go into limos in San Francisco, right? It's like, <laughs> right. It's like way more expensive than a taxi. Please don't think that it's just easy, right? right? That's just like never true. Um, so anyways, I think it's like, it's, it's good for people to, to realize this. And yeah, you got to yeah. stick with it. And the ones that persevere are the ones that end up being successful. Yeah, 100%. Right? 
So I want to talk a little bit more about logistics. Can you kind of walk us through exactly what the process looks like from I have an idea, okay, I found Pietra to getting to the point where I'm actually selling things? Yeah, so we try and make it as simple as possible um, for someone who has an idea. So let's say you would like to create your own line of athleisure clothes because you're you know, a, a private trainer or something like that. Um, or a fitness influencer. Good example. Um, What Pietra does is it allows you to create an account and click on the thing that says sourcing and and type in the words, you know, activewear, you know, uh, tights, leggings. And you can just type in or browse the marketplace for all the different factories and suppliers around the world that will work with you or can work with you to create a sample and your final product. Right. So you'll think of it as like a Facebook for factories. So the factory will set up their profile and say, Hey, look, we work with Topshop. We do these 25 garments. This is the price for a sample and this is the price to make it. Here's how you can customize it. We have offer fabric sourcing, embroidery, special cuts. This is what we offer. And it's as simple as saying, if you want to work with someone, you could either order one of their past project samples or you could chat with them directly. There's like a big button that goes, chat with supplier. It's a, it's a real time chat where you could say, Hey, I'm looking to literally make, you know, clothes that you can wear during your Pilates workout. And they will come back and be like, awesome. Here's what we can make with you. We'd love to work with you. It's a very conversational experience. Um, so you do need to start with an idea, right? You could browse of course, and view different profiles, but you want to start with an idea. And then it's as easy as starting a conversation with a factory. Now, that's fun. People talk back and forth for a couple of weeks. They become best friends with their, their factories on the other side. They're ordering samples. They, they pick something. They go, oh my God, this bathing suit that we've made. Love it. Like, I love this print. We finally got it perfect. They're chatting with each other. They go, okay. This factory goes, okay, we can make, you know, 500 more of these in three sizes. And what we do is it's all integrated. So when, when the factory goes, we can make 500 of these in three sizes, the creator can say, Awesome. Let's do a production run. They hit a button and the shipment and the um, the storage and the warehousing and the uh, all the things associated with that, they don't have to deal, about, deal with at all. It's all taken care of by Pietro. So all you have to do is buy the inventory and it shows up in our fulfillment center three weeks later, four weeks later, depending on the shipping options you choose. And you get an email that goes, congrats. You know, Kristen, congrats. All your stuff is in the warehouse. It's on a shelf. It's ready for you. Do you want us to connect it to your website? Or do you want to create a website? Like it's literally that step, right? So you take all of this idea of like, how do I find a warehouse? How do I get it? How do I ship the products to that warehouse? And it's a button that goes, I want to make 500 bathing suits. In three weeks, you get an email being like, all 500 bathing suits have arrived. Um, They're on a shelf. They're waiting for your next move, right? So we kind of put it back and the creator will go, okay, maybe I have a website. Awesome connected to my website. You click, a, you click a couple buttons, it connects your Shopify account to the Pietra Hub. Maybe you're like, I want to sh- sell this um, at a party or at an event. There's a button that says, ship all my products to this event. You type in the address, it wow. ships the products to that event, right? You can put in some instructions and there's people on the ground in the warehouse that will go and do the thing for you. Um, you could say, store it at our facility. And all of these are just very simple buttons where you are telling us what to do, you don't have to do any of the work and we've standardized it. So it's all very easy. So you have to, you don't have to master it. And I'll give you some like um, 
So the, so the typical path is you chat with a supplier, you hit a couple buttons and it sends all the inventory to a warehouse where you connect it to your website and you tweet out, you know, like my website's live, start selling. Anytime someone buys something, our warehouse ships it for you. You don't have to t- deal with any of it, right? That's the, that's the core path. Yeah. Now there's some very interesting things where let's say you find a factory that does custom packaging and a sweater and maybe some custom tissue paper. Well, you could send everything to Pietra. Someone will call you and say, do you want to put all these things together? Do you want to put the tissue paper and the sweater in the box and put it on the shelf? You could say, yes, please do that for all my products. We'll say, okay, we'll put it on the shelf. You'll get another email that goes, all your products are on the shelf. You can start selling them wherever you want to sell them, right? So we, we take these very messy processes that you have to figure out. And we basically say, here are the three steps, produce the product, store the product, ship the product out to customers. And we give the creator the least amount of headache. And we go, <laughs> what do you want us to do as the next step? You only have to think about the next step. Um, and then, of course, you can get as you know as advanced as you want. Some people have websites and they post it on five different places. And they can worry about that part. All of it is connected to Pietra. Wherever you sell your product, it will just hit the warehouse. The warehouse will ship it. Doesn't matter if you sold it on your YouTube channel, on your website, on TikTok. Doesn't matter if it's going to Qatar or Los Angeles. The fulfillment center will take care of all that for you. Right. And if there's errors and like people need to return stuff, they just send it back to the fulfillment center. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, and it's all it's all done in a in a process that is repeatable, predictable, scalable. So the creators can focus on the promotion part of it, which is what they want to do. Yeah. I, and the, I and the mean, one, yeah. There's like the, the literally. One thing I'll say, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, there's nothing in that process that feels like I would be stressed out besides like, okay, I just need to worry about selling this. <laughs> Yeah. And the, the creative part as well. That's the thing that I would yeah, say, which right, is right. you could think about Pietra as like your team on the ground doing what you need them to do on yeah. your instruction. So you need to know, like, I want to buy 500 or I want to ship a bunch of these to Whole Foods buyer or something like that, whatever it may yeah. be. You key it into the system. We do the thing that you want us to do. So you control the creative of your company. You yeah. control the finances. But from an execution perspective, you now have help right? You have help where you don't have to learn these things, right? You're like, get these products from Turkey, get these sweaters from Turkey to the US. I don't want to learn how to import stuff. I'm going to hit this buy button from this factory. You're going to pay them in the Turkish currency. I'll pay you in USD. And in three weeks, you're going to tell me when my sweaters have arrived. You have to design the sweaters. You take full control. Right. You negotiate your pricing or you, know, you pay for it. Um, so you have full financial control. Execution we are really good at. That's what you use the platform for. So where most people get tripped up is like, oh, I need like five assistants to go handle this. And we (laughs) have built a system where you don't. You just need to like have, you know, a couple hours that you can jump into the portal and say, hey, look, you're running out of large. Here's a big button that says, do you want to make more larges from the same factory that you're talking to? If yes, hit this button. They'll make it. We'll ship it. In three weeks, you'll have this button that says zero larges, go to 200 larges. You know, Right. Very, very, very straightforward. So you still got to be a business owner. Yeah. Oh, still yeah. got to use the software. You still got to know that you want to replenish, you know, the stock as it's getting lower. But the work to replenish it goes from three weeks worth of work and a phone call to a factory overseas to a couple of buttons on a dashboard, yeah. which is like what, you know, what we find that creators want most is like, give me some time back, um, make it easy for me. Um, right. But make it easy for me, but still allow me to create my own line of denim jackets or create my own sneakers. Like they want that creativity to scale up infinitely. 
um, everything else simplify, simplify, simplify it down. Yeah. I love it. I I definitely feel inspired now to like, hmm, I've had all these ideas for products. <laughs> this feels like it will make the process much more manageable. So I'll yeah, have to, we have all these have hilarious <laughs> products around the office. Like here's like one of my favorite candles. Oh Someone made like gosh. a cereal bowl candle. And I'm like, wow, that this is, is kind of cool. cool. I don't know if you saw this was uh, trending on TikTok a little while ago, like these dancing cactuses. Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah, I've totally seen those. Um, there's I, I'm literally sitting in a room full of like all these different things. There's like luxury candles that are like custom fragranced, made with coconut wax. Very so cool. the creativity is unbounded in this world, right? There's yeah. all these things you can create. Um, and it's our job to really make it simple so that it feels simple to the people who have the creativity. Right. I don't necessarily have that creativity, I would say. <laughs> um, but someone out there does. Right, right, right. So to kind of wrap it up, I would love to hear just a, a few tips on what what can creators do to really like sell the heck out of these products? You know, I mean, a lot of creators are, they know how to create content. They are working on creating products maybe, but when it comes to actually marketing, I feel like that's another huge skill that creators have to learn. Are there any good tips that you have there? Yeah, so I think the the... Looking back at the year of Pietro and all the successful creators, I think um, the best way to go about this is realizing that you don't need to go too big outside of your audience to start, right? Your audience are going to be your first customers and your loyal customers regardless, whether you're in Nordstrom's or you're selling on your own Instagram shop. And so you, the best marketing is to know your audience so well that marketing becomes easy right? Marketing as a, as an idea is like, okay, let's see if I can word it like this so that they will buy it. Right. And what I tell creators is they have the ultimate, ultimate like star, right? Like in Mario Kart, the star that allows you to blast through all these things, which yeah. is <laughs> what, what I say is my number one thing is bring your audience along for the ride. If you are worried about whether you should do, you know, camel color overcoat or a baby blue ask because yeah. Once you ask them, they your customers will feel like they're a part of the process, so they're more bought in. But then also you'll realize that you don't need to do the guesswork. And the marketing becomes easier because you're yeah. not marketing, hmm, we should do an A-B test of marketing camel color versus baby blue overcoats. It's like, no, you already know. So you're 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 iterating on the marketing already from like a advantageous position. And so what I'd say is the best thing on the marketing front is start with your audience and understand them deeply. There's likely there's a good chance that they will be the best source of, of input. Yeah. And then the second big thing on marketing to make your life incredibly easy is bring your audience along for the ride as early as you can because it builds authenticity and it allows you to de-risk a lot of the marketing. Yep. And then ultimately, the last thing I'll say on the marketing side is there's all these tools that you can pay for. Um, there's all these different things and companies and people want to get you to spend that money. Here's the reality. In the first year of your business, your content is your marketing engine. Focus on it. Be smart about how you integrate your content with your product, right? My favorite yeah. thing to say is like the perfect marketing is if you're an esports, you know, gamer and the video from your Twitch stream is always on your desk and you have an energy drink make your energy drink the energy drink that's on your desk, right? right? That is, doesn't disrupt your content, perfect product placement, and you have full control over it, right? If you are a 
someone who sells fitness classes online or to Zoom workouts, use your own bands, use your right. own branded weights, use wear your own clothes. This is content and product that is so perfectly aligned that it to other people feels like marketing, but to you as a creator is like free marketing, right? Yeah. So, so remember the points of leverage. And when you feel yourself being like, I need to go hire a company to make a billboard, then you should be asking yourself like, do I have an advantage here? Like maybe my 10,000 YouTube subscribers is my advantage. I should double down on that. And maybe that right. might mean a new product because you've saturated that audience. Cool. You have a tool like Pietra to have low risk on new products, right? Right. Um, so it's all about starting small on the marketing side, understanding that the leverage is your audience, communicating with them effectively, and um, and making sure that you're leveraging your content and not changing your content too much when you're marketing yeah. your product. And you'll know if you have product market fit by picking the product that doesn't mean you have to change your content, right? Okay, um, that's a good tip. Yeah. I love that. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for all of your knowledge today. This was really so helpful. I know that so many creators have been thinking about physical products, but are probably very intimidated and overwhelmed by them. So I'm sure they're all feeling a lot better now hearing about Pietra and all of the knowledge that you shared today. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. And I'll give all your listeners um, a, a promo code to try out Pietra um, and awesome. give them a little perk to, to give them that push. Sweet. Yeah, we'll leave it in the show notes for you guys so you can check it out. Cool. Okay. Thank you for having me. This was so of awesome. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. <laughs>